Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series. I'm Amy Zalmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. Today, I will be talking with fiction writer and stroke survivor Shane Etter. This episode is brought to you by Midwest Functional Neurology Center, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of functional neurologists who are experienced in treating post-concussion syndrome, chronic pain, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health in the Midwest. They've greatly helped me and many others. You can find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Hi, everyone. I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not know who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I'm a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Goodman Project, and I volunteer on the Brain Injury Association of America's Advisory Council, and I recently released my second book, Embracing the Journey, Moving Forward After Brain Injury, which was just a finalist in the Midwest Book Awards, earning a silver medal. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zalmer. And don't forget to join my Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Shane Etter, and Shane is a former high-tech sales professional who started writing fiction to improve his brain after suffering a stroke. He has six published novels, including a series of supernatural thrillers. Shane was born, raised, and educated in Mississippi and has called Greater Atlanta home for almost 30 years. His writing has been compared to the greats of Jim Thompson and Cornell Woolrich, known for his surprise endings, his latest, Devil's Sympathy, about a serial killer who's writing a who's a writing professor at England's Oxford University, raises the bar to new levels. So Shane, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to have you here today. Thank you, Amy. I'm not half as excited as, as I am to be here. Sorry. Thank you. Aw. <laughs> well, I'm really excited to have you here. Um, oh, so, you. Shane, I think the first thing I would like to have you do is just share with us um, your stroke journey, um, you know, when it happened and kind of how it happened. Um you know, did you know you were having a stroke right away or, or you know, did it kind of evolve over a few days? I know everybody has a very different experience. So um, I'd like love to were, hear your journey. <laughs> it sounds like you were watching when mine happened to even ask about those questions. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, um, I, I think everyone's stroke story is unique or unusual and different, but I was 50 years old. It was 15 years ago, and I was at the gym working out. I, uh, I'm a, I was, I guess I still am, I still have it, a, a black belt in karate, although I can't do karate like I did, obviously, with my balance issues and things. But anyway, I was at the gym working out, lifting weights, <clears throat> and I laid down on the bench to do bench press, and this guy standing 20 or 30, 30 feet across the room said, what's, matter? what's the matter? 
And I said, nothing? He said, yeah, I think you're having a stroke, just that nonchalantly and that casually. I said, no way. And he said, yeah, your left arm is just hanging. Your mouth is not moving well, and you're slurring your words. And um, okay, so he walked over toward the front desk, and I said, uh, don't tell them. He said, it's already done. And 20 minutes yeah. later, uh-huh. an ambulance pulled up out front, and I was in the hospital for 15 days. 30 minutes later, I was in the hospital for 15 days, four days in intensive care. And um, so, no, I didn't even realize I was having it. <laughs> you know, I, you know I, to me. And and that's Please, so God. common. I you know I hear that all the time. How people are kind of in denial that you know <laughs> this. What is this? What's happening to me? Why isn't my arm working? You know. Um, well, no, I, I didn't even why... recognize that anything that like that was happening. I mean, yeah, I just thought so... I was perfect. I didn't even know my arm wasn't working or my speech was slurred. I mean, I heard myself the way I was supposed to, and you know, just I guess I'll. Not very clever, or not as clever as I thought I was, and therefore uh, <laughs> I didn't even know there was anything wrong with me. Well, you know, and thank goodness you were at the gym, and that no guy kidding. recognized what was happening. And yeah. you know, I don't know, you could have been home alone, and you know, who knows what would have happened. Um, but I think that's why it's so important to always talk about, you know, those stroke symptoms. And you know, thank goodness that guy knew, <laughs> and he <laughs> no called nine one one, and you know, it's, it's, exactly. I always, I, I always find it kind of comical how people are like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just think I'm not as bright as everybody else that I didn't recognize. Uh, yeah. I thought I was perfect. And, uh, turns out not so much. So when you got out of the hospital 15 days later, um, what were your biggest challenges at that point? That's kind of personal. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm trying to be clever again. <laughs> no, uh, balance, uh, left leg weakness, and my balance was the biggest problem and is still an issue today. I mean, it's not as bad as it was, obviously, but 15 years later, I still have balance issues, and that's why I say, although I still have a black belt, I'm not a black belt anymore because I can't kick yeah. and punch and do things like I did once upon a time. So, Right. So so were you a writer before your brain injury, or was all of this after your stroke? (laughs) No, I guess that's the uh, thing that makes my story unique. Before my stroke, in my opinion, I was the least creative man walking the planet. (laughs) And, um, yeah. And about six years after my stroke, I went to bed one night, normal, the least creative man in the world. And when I woke up the next morning... Something had occurred overnight. I knew my brain had changed, uh, and as it turns out, I had—I think I became creative literally overnight, and due to my stroke. As you know, and anyone who's ever had a stroke and knows someone who did, I like to think that we would improve linearly is the word I use, but we tend to set back, in my opinion, or the way I describe it. And uh, I just knew my brain was going through some changes. At that point, <clears throat> and uh, when I woke up the next morning, I felt like I had become rewired and was different overnight. And I decided, I, well, we've always heard that the best thing you can do for your brain is to read, 
well, I figured that if reading was that good for your brain, writing would have to be even better rather than just reading somebody else's words, creating your own. And I started writing my first novel just to improve my brain. But then a funny thing happened. A dozen words, a dozen pages into it, I knew it was good enough to be published. I had been a voracious reader for a long time. I knew, I mean, I'm not saying it was the best thing I ever read, but it wasn't the worst either. It was somewhere in the middle, which meant it was good enough to be published. And that was my first novel, Bottom Dwellers. And now, soon to be seven novels later, this is what I still do. That's so amazing. You know, I've only written nonfiction. Um, I basically have written about my journey. And I'm always so fascinated by fiction writers because, I mean, you're making all of it up. I mean, some of it might be based loosely on, you know, real life, but, um, you know, especially like murder mysteries and romance novels. I'm just always so in awe of fiction writers. Um, You know, do, do you have a process like do you know the ending to your book when you start, or does it kind of evolve as you're writing it? No, usually I discover the ending 40 to 50% of the way through the book. Yeah. I figure out how it's going to end once I – no. I usually start with an idea or a concept, the story of the book, that I can state in one sentence. Like my first one, the one I was talking about that started me on this journey of writing – Bottom Dwellers is about green mutant people with gills living on the bottom of the largest man-made lake in the eastern half of the United States here in North Georgia. And I could tell everybody in one statement that that's what the book was about. When I I started from that idea and just started writing, and I don't outline, there are two schools of camp, and most fiction writers fall into one or the other, those who do outline and those who do not. I do not. Because like uh, the late Vince Flynn said one time, I saw him at a book signing, he said he doesn't outline because he likes to be surprised just like the reader, which I thought was very clever. And um, what I like to say is um, trust my book, and it will take me where it wants to go. Mm -hmm. Like I say, usually about halfway through, somewhere around halfway through, I figure out where it's going to go. And that has worked six times so far. And I think the, my next one is going to be my best ever. Of course, I think everybody's most recent book, every writer's most recent book, yeah. should be their best ever. <laughs> I mean, you can vouch for that. I'm sure that you know, when you first started writing your first one, you didn't, you had never written before, or not, you know, anything, an undertaking like that. So, you know, a lot more about writing than you did that day. So, seven books late. Well, I'm halfway through my eighth now. And uh, I think every page that I write now is the best page I've ever written. Yeah, you know, my first book, I was still, when I published that, I was only a year and a half post-injury. I hadn't even gotten to my doctor that helped me. You know, I had just started (laughs) writing as a way to help other people, right? Like, I was sharing my journey, hoping it could help others, and it just evolved into a book. And my second book, I can definitely tell I knew more what I was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I mean, I had help. I had a professional editor and a formatter. You know, I had everybody helping me, but still, I had no clue, right? (laughs) So the second book, I felt like I was more, yeah, I felt like I was more in control. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. My first one, I tell people all the time, well, 
naturally my most recent one has to be better than my first one because with my first one I didn't know what I was I had no idea what I was doing I just started writing didn't have a, a mentor or editor at that time since found one of my mentor Jedwin Smith is a two-time Pulitzer nominee from his time at the Atlanta Journal Constitution newspaper and he's a great mentor and my editor well I've had two different editors one was the great nephew of uh Robert Frost, probably the greatest poet who's ever oh, yeah. lived, and he was taught. He was started on his journey of being taught how to write by Robert, his great uncle Robert Frost. So now, yeah, I have a lot of help. So that's probably the reason my writing is improved because of those those kind of people. Mm-hmm. And have you found that writing? Um, you know, for me, I was writing my own journey, and so it was really therapeutic yeah. to me. But I could see how even writing fiction could be therapeutic. You know, you just kind of get absorbed. Um, I had one friend describe writing fiction. She's like, it's like when you watch a movie, you get sucked into the movie. She's like, that's how it is for me when I write fiction. I don't <laughs> know what's going to happen next. I get sucked in, and, you know, it's a surprise to me, just like it is the reader. Um, so I'm curious if it's therapeutic for you to write. Well, it is, but I don't think I'm the opposite of you. I have had several people, a number of people, tell me I should write my story, but it's too, I'm too close to it. Mm-hmm. I I can't do it. But there are piece parts of me. You alluded to it when we we first started talking a moment ago that they seem to be parts of ourselves in books and I say everyone's first novel at least is very autobiographical. And since my first three the same I had the same protagonist in the first three and he's actually made up an appearance in my uh eighth when I'm writing now, he is the first story, yeah, he was a great deal like me, but now not so much. He's evolved and gotten his own personality since then, and you'd never know that he was originally based on me. So, Yeah, that's really cool. That has changed. Well, so what you. has what has been, you know, the most interesting, I guess, for lack of a better word, <laughs> part of this journey for you? I mean, you, I, I'm assuming you never expect it to become a writer prior to your stroke. <laughs> um, but, you know, what What have been some of the silver linings? I guess, and no, I never expected to be a writer. I, I, I like to say I'm not that good a reader, and I'm joking. I'm a pretty good reader, but nevertheless, no. I, when I first started writing Bottom Dwellers, like I said, it was to uh, improve my brain, and then I decided it was good enough to be published. And when I started, when I was writing it, though, I was like, "Man, if I have, if I do get this published, that will be so awesome." And I was lucky enough that a small press in uh, Texas took it on. And uh, but now, like I say, my seventh will be out soon, and I'm on my second publisher. And if you had told me this ten years ago, I would have said, "Man, I'll be a success if that ever happens." Now I'm going. I'm still waiting to be a success. So I guess that's the way it's changed. Yeah. Yeah. And so what, you know, what is your family? What do your family and friends think of all this? Are they just kind of amazed by it? Yeah. I have two siblings, one of each. I'm sorry. That was a joke. My brother's uh, 
eldest daughter said one time, somebody asked her when she was about two years old, said, did she see herself ever having children? She said, yeah, I want three, one of each. And we can only imagine that she meant a dog in those. But uh, So, yeah, uh, I have one, two siblings, one of each. But at least I didn't say three. So, anyway, uh, yeah, I do have a younger – well, excuse me, my brother passed away recently, my younger brother. And um, so it's just me and my sister now. Uh, she's 11 years younger than I, and I shouldn't tell that, should I? People are good at math. Just gave out her age. She wouldn't be happy with me. <laughs> but I do have a younger sister. Um, they, she and her husband, they live in Texas, and uh, a lot of local friends, they would love me to come to Texas, but I've been here in Atlanta almost 30 years, so I've got almost a life, certainly a half a lifetime of friends that are family now to me here and all my, as I mentioned, my mentor and my editor and other writer friends that are, have helped me along the way. So I'm established here now and don't see myself leaving. Yeah. Unless yeah. Hollywood calls. And yeah. You never know, right? right? <laughs> you never know. That's for sure. Of course, Georgia is uh, the biggest, uh, movie it is yeah so i'm in a good place for that very true um so shane you know what what advice do you have for someone out there who's recently had a stroke or you know any other form of brain injury what what advice do you have for them number one never get up give up because you can always improve I don't know how much you can improve. No one knows how much you can improve, but you can always improve. Look out, search out, seek out help like you are helping people. There are other people like you that can mm-hmm. that can help people along the path. And um, if they're trying writing, and again, I do believe that writing is very therapeutic and that anyone – I believe almost anyone can write if I could and have some success, have this many novels out. A lot of people could. I would think most people could. Reach out to the local writing community wherever you are. Uh, There are writing clubs everywhere in this country, and um, I'm sure you uh, sought out people like that too when you Mm -hmm. started writing. So specifically for writers, that's what I would recommend, but for anyone – you know, work out, try and be healthy, do whatever you can do. I still, even though I don't lift weights anymore, I don't need to lift heavy weights at 65 years old. But I, I do body weight exercises every day. I don't miss a day. Push-ups and body weight squats and things like that. Work out, improve your health in every area that you can, and I think it'll help your brain. I, mean, I, I recently expert, heard. But, I recently heard a statistic that 1% of the population pu- will ever publish a book. And I was like, wow, wow. that's, that's pretty 1%. amazing. Yeah. yeah we belong to a pretty elite group. <laughs> um, you know, no I get asked not. a lot, how did I write my book and, you know, how do you get started? And I'm curious what advice you have for someone who is looking, whether it's sharing their own story or possibly writing fiction. Um, but I tell them just start, 
start writing. You know, that's that's oh, the best way to start is you. start writing. Thank <laughs> you. That, that, is, that is the two words that I use. It's amazing how many people you meet when, you know, where, wherever you're doing, whatever you're, wherever you're going in your, the course of your life, every day you meet people and they, you find, ask them what they do. You find out what they do for a living. They ask you, say, I'm a writer. And I don't know, it's got to be 90% of the people I've ever said that to said, I've always wanted to write a book. My response is, well, start writing. What are you waiting yeah. for then? Mm-hmm. Today, today, I mean, I'm so glad I started the day I, I did. I wish I'd started before then, you know, but it is what it is. And uh, start today. That is the main advice I will give anybody who has thought. ever. It never had entered my mind. I was not one of those people. I didn't think there was any way possible I could write a book. Of course, another writer that I uh, met and talked to at a uh, book signing, John Hart. John Hart, H-A-R-T, is an amazing writer. He won multiple awards for best first novel and then for a best second novel. Somebody asked him at a book signing, said, how do you go about writing a book? And he looked at him in the eye and he said, nobody can write a book. What he meant by that was it's not possible. Writing a book would be too overwhelming if you set out to write a book. You write one sentence. You write a paragraph. If you write a paragraph, you have to know what follows that paragraph. I think it was um I think it was Hemingway who said you never write to the end of a chapter because you may not know then what's happening in going to yeah. start in the next chapter. You always stop in the middle of a paragraph, middle of a scene because then you have to know what's coming in the very next sentence. So I have tried to do that ever since I started writing is uh, I never write to a a chapter's in. I always, if I get to a chapter real early in my day of writing, I continue go further in a few pages. If I can't get there, I stop wherever I am. So, you know, as John Hart said, nobody can write a book. Write a sentence and write that sentence today. That's what I'll tell any of your listeners that have been thinking about writing a book. Start, start writing today and write a sentence. You know, I, and I think especially TBI survivors, you know, we kind of get paralyzed by the details <laughs> and, oh, you know, so many people are like, <laughs> so many people are like, well, but how do I publish it? And how do I find this? And how do I do that? And I'm like, you know what? You don't even have to worry about that. So you mm-hmm. have it written, just write, just write. And that's whether sure. that's a hundred words a day or 2000 words a day, just, just, Right. No. Um, and there's people who can help you fix it all up and make it no clean and pretty, you know. No doubt. The other practical piece of advice I will tell your listeners is what my mentor told me. I think is, he said, write a page every day. And then in a year, you have a uh, manuscript. And I thought that was great advice. And I do try and follow that, get at least a page every day, because I know some days I won't get a page. But if you have a right. page every day, if you set out to write a page every day, in a year you'll have a book. Exactly. And, um, that was the best practical advice anyone's ever given me. Yep, that is great advice. So, Shane, this has just been a lovely conversation and so much wonderful <laughs> Thanks, advice. Amy. I really appreciate you taking the time to share with our listeners. And I do have a link in the show notes so people can find your books on Amazon. Um, And which is your newest book? 
My, the one that has most recently come out is called um, Devil's Sympathy. No, it's not. Excuse me. I get confused. After seven now, <laughs> I get confused. My most recently published, yeah, that's, I thought it would be easier. It's called uh, A Brain in Third Person, The Return of the Bad Penny. That's a sequel to my fourth. Ah. The, uh, a Brain in Third Person was my fourth novel. My sixth, my most recent published, is A Brain in Third Person, The Return of the Bad Penny. And that actually, that title for that book came out of my own experience one night I was talking to somebody don't remember who it was or where I was I just remember that I said man I, I was telling them that I like whatever but my brain didn't and I said I talk about my brain in the third person all the time and then at that second I went, that's the title of my next book that I love a great it title for a book. it I is no a great title it was going to be about. thank you and I had no idea what it was going to be about as it turns out it was about a serial killer here in Atlanta and he's i it, the ending surprised – we talk about not knowing what you're going to write. The ending surprised me so much that I had to write a sequel to it. So that's the one that will be out. The sequel to it is the one that uh, is my most recent that is published, the one I was trying to uh, give you a, a, for, uh, a introduction to or a fair warning of. is called Devil Sympathy, and it's about a 60-year-old writing professor – Oxford University in England, who has been killing people for 40 years with a sword concealed in his hike in his walking stick. That will be out <laughs> in the next 30 days. Oh wow! So, Congratulations, that's exciting. Thank you. There's a theme here. Well, I guess you noticed. Uh, at least three of my seven books will be about serial killers. So <laughs> I guess that tells you where. Well, as long as you're not writing from experience, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> No one's ever said that before, but yeah, you're right. That probably is cool, and <laughs> I'm not. Well, Shane, thank you so much for being here today. Amy, this has you. just been lovely. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that you really enjoyed today's episode. Um, I think Shane gave some really great tips for anyone considering writing. Um, and I know that that is a topic that comes up over and over and over again. So um, definitely you know, even take a re-listen to this episode. Um, and there's some good golden nuggets in there for you guys. Again, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Velmer. And on Facebook, be sure to join Amy's TBI Tribe. And I also just started Amy's TBI Book Club that will launch uh, next month, July. So be sure to check that out as well. And maybe we will even read one of Shane's books in my book club. Um, so, Another shout out to our sponsor, Midwest Functional Neurology Center, the concussion doctors you can trust in the Midwest. Find them online at mnfunctionalneurology.com. Thank you all so much for listening and being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone, and I will see you all next time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.